Hello, and welcome to the Romantically Inclined podcast. Uh, and today we are interviewing Sophie Lark, who... Hello, hello. I, I was going to say, can you introduce yourself really quick? <laughs> What's your spiel? Everybody's got like a, like, what do they call it? Like your elevator pitch? What is your elevator pitch? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, I have been writing romance for about three years now. I've been writing my whole life. I uh, would say that when I started, my goal was to write intelligent women who are strong and capable because I felt at the time there was a little bit of a, there was, there was a, a lot of uh, the very sweet, innocent ingenue character at mm. the time. And I wanted a more powerful and sometimes even a bit of a dickish female main character. I wanted that to be allowed in romance. So that's what Perfect. I started with and it's evolved from there. <laughs> I love that because that's how I feel I am. Like I, when I'm reading romance, I don't really vibe with the sweet, innocent, like 18 year old who finds herself at the mercy of like a mafia man. I'm like kind of a bitch. And so I kind of want, not all the time, but I would like to see myself represented in books a little bit more. I'm definitely like well, professional, well, not on this podcast, obviously, but you know, kind of like professional cold, a little, people would call me that a little bit. I'm not very romantic. And so it's nice to to see that in books. There is so many more women like us than I ever <laughs> dreamed. And I have found them all. The beautiful thing about writing is that whatever you put out is a magnet for people who are like you to come and mm -hmm. be your readers. So I have realized that I am not as strange as I thought I was by just meeting a ton of women who feel the same way. The first character I ever wrote that was overtly cold and analytical and rude, it was a reverse grumpy sunshine, broken bow, and Riona is a lawyer. And I, when I put that book out there, I, it was very much still like very sweet and innocent. And you would see in reviews, people would be like, I didn't like the main character. She was this and that. Like just if you wrote anyone who wasn't like a perfect angel, mm -hmm. people were very hard on it. But when I wrote Riona, like people just flooded to the to her as the character. They were like, oh, I she I am just like this. I've never read a character I identified with more. And then from then on, that just opened the door for me to write any kind of woman. Yeah, and on that, the first book I ever read by you actually was um, the well, you changed the type the series. It used to be called Colors of Crime, and now yes. it's Underworld. Yes, yes. Yeah, and yes. I, so I opened the book and I'm like, okay, this is about a hit woman trying to kill yes. like some like mafia Russian ma was it Russian mafia dude, yes. and like they just immediately clash. He catches you know catches her in like the first like couple pages and like the you know it's just like well I was like holy shit I haven't yes, read a hit a hit woman before. <laughs> she's an assassin. She's a straight up murderer, and she's hired to kill this mafia boss. And then he she is not successful, and he captures her and starts sexy torturing her and. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, uh, it has been so rewarding finding out that there is a, a hunger for a much wider variety of romance than I initially thought. And I think book talk and, and just all of these platforms where the, where the book community has blossomed has really led to more creative and varied romance. I think yeah, definitely the like indie book world. It's not like, I mean, just the, the fact that people are able to just publish whatever they want now without having to yes. go through the traditional publishers and they can be honest about their characters and they can create flawed, much more flawed characters than there ever were before in traditional publishing. Unless we're talking yes. about like the books published in the eighties, all those characters were flawed yes. and damaged and traumatized. But yeah, I just, the indie publishing world for romance has just done us all such a favor. There's something well, for everybody out there. <laughs> Well, it, there really is. And it lets the market decide. Like there is no gatekeeper. You put your book out there and hopefully the cream rises over time. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, if you're on Kindle Unlimited, you sometimes you do have to sift through some fun stuff. You know, like when people are just getting started, it's not always. I mean, if I was putting my stuff out there, it would not really be great. So I think that there's, but you know, that's, it's kind of fun to see people's journeys. Sometimes you try an author at the beginning of their career and you're like, you know, this wasn't for me. You see him again, like three years later and it's like completely different and you can see oh, how yes. they like matured in their writing and how like, you know, they've changed. And I just, I love seeing authors like go on that journey. I just said journey again, but journey. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're, like, you're so Developing. Right. Yeah. Oh, Do you true. feel that I mean, you have developed over the, even just the last three oh. years? The my writing is massively Anastasia is night and day different from Underworld mm. because it's I've had my ten thousand hours over the last three years of just constant constant practice sharpening the saw working at it trying to get better. I mean that's when I started I was so green I had no idea what I was doing that's why I had to rename the series I had no, like I had no clue I was like I was like I'm creating a genre called heist romance and people were like no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, that's, I just learned and I, 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 I figured out what people liked and I figured out what I liked and that's just the process of improving. <laughs> so did you, is Anastasia, so tell us a little bit about, about Anastasia because that just came out this week, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it came out on Tuesday. It is in Kindle Unlimited and hopefully the paperback is all linked up. Now we had a bit of a disaster at our launch. Uh, Amazon froze the day of the launch okay. and you know, my page reads got counted. And then at the exact same time, Ingram, who I print through was like, yeah, you can upload a change to your paperback. It's totally fine. And then that broke all the links and now I've had no paperback all week. So I've been very, very frustrated, but my, soul has been lifted by all the wonderful people who have sent me nice comments and written really kind reviews and so i'm just i'm just like oh, it's okay anastasia is a story about hope in the face of adversity so i was like we're just gonna consider this fitting and just keep on keep on working on it so back in the day you know in like the 1990s and 1980s <laughs> back in the day, we had all these really beautiful romance novels where they had just these like painted covers. They had step yes. backs. They had like chapter breaks and, or like, you know, if you had a part one, part two, part three, there'd be like a beautiful illustration in between. And then that kind of went away, especially, I think a lot of it had to do with how quickly people produce Kindle books and, you know, just trying to get books out as quickly as possible. People don't really have time to stop and, hire an artist to create beautiful imagery for them or the money to do that. Just like the cost, if you're an yeah. indie author, people don't have like a mo the money to. Oh yeah. All, all my first all covers, like even the original brutal Prince covers, just a stock photo. It was like $8. Like I made the cover myself. Like when you're bootstrapping from the beginning, you cannot afford a $2,000 cover. Your book probably won't even make $2,000 until you're have built more list. So. so how exciting then was it for you with Anastasia? And for the listeners, um, you need to look at Sophie Lark's Instagram page and see some of like the art and just what this book looks like, because it is absolutely spectacular. Um, how did it feel being able to pour that kind of money and love and hire an illustrator for this and get this just custom art suited this specifically to your book? This book was such a labor of love for Rye and me and Lena, my Danish artist. And Lena, I connected with her very early. She was drawing fan art for me. And I will never forget the first drawing I saw that was so much more than fan art. She had done this picture of Zoe from The Rebel from Kingmakers. And Zoe 
like tries to throw herself off a wall because she just feels like her life is so hopeless and her only escape is reading. And Lena had drawn this beautiful picture where Zoe's reading and the pages of the book become like paper birds that are like her escape and, and like the way that she imagined that she could just like fly away when she was at her worst and lowest moment. And I was like, I just, I knew that Lena understood the feeling of the scene and what mattered to me in the scene on like a very like twin flame level. And the more things she drew for me and the more she created these female characters that were so powerful, but they were so diverse in what they looked like. And they were so true to the, to the character and what, and like their personality just like shone through in the illustrations. I just got obsessed. And then I was like, then we hired her full time. We lured her away from her terrible job that she hated. And she is so much happier and we are so much happier. And it's just been like this beautiful symbiotic relationship. She had a really big effect on the book because I would, I would send her my chapters and then she would send me back her art. And sometimes something that she would have pulled out from it or something she would have drawn a little bit differently. I'd be like, God damn it. That's better. I'm going to change what I did. <laughs> so. How spectacular is social media to be able to connect <sighs> artists and authors and just, you know, back in the day, she would have had to draw something and then like ship it to you. <laughs> I never, I never would have found her. She was just creating beautiful things for me just out of like the joy of her heart, you know, like just like for fun, for her own escape. And I was just like, holy shit, you're really talented. And she was talented then. And she has gotten 10 times more talented in the year that we've worked together which is like, I'm always trying to get better as a writer and she really works on her craft as an illustrator. And so we just, we're, we are very copacetic workmates. <laughs> so can you tell us about the work that she did for Anastasia? What, how many pages yes. are illustrations in the paperback copy? Yes. So the, the paperback says it's 660 pages or whatever it is, but over a hundred and I think 20 pages of that are artwork. So it's not as fatty of a book as it looks. It has a ton of art in it. There is a full illustration for every chapter. There is chapter heading art that is just stunning and kind of like foreshadows what you're about to see in the chapter, but doesn't like spoil it. And she did, Lena did all these gorgeous full bleeds for in between each part to kind of show you like what age Anastasia and Damien are going to be in the next part and give you a hint of like what they're going through in their relationship. It's it's so beautiful and it adds so much to the story and the characters. I'm just obsessed. This might be a, um, a crazy question because you might not know, but do you have a favorite picture or a favorite piece of artwork yes. that's within the... Okay, you do. Yes. So, so one of the first things that Lena ever drew for me for Anastasia was this fucking stunning royal portrait of her. And it was so beautiful and perfect that it became the motif for the whole book because she had drawn it in a frame. So then she started drawing frames around all the images. So it would be like portraits in a portrait hall because there's a portrait hall scene too in the book that is important to the story. So it became this like look for the images, but like the images kind of burst out of the frames and the frames like shape the image and say something about like the setting or the time period or whatever. Like they're all a little bit different. Like her creativity is just off the charts. And I, I kept being like, you're going to run out of things to do with frames. There's over 50 chapters. And it was like every single one is unique and like really adds something to the drawing. So the first one that she did that, that was my favorite was that Anastasia Royal Portrait. But then at the end of the book, there is this other royal portrait of her with Damien. And it's like, it's like 
it's what she was and what she became. It's when she was the people's princess and then what she ultimately becomes by the end of the book. And the two portraits are such a perfect bookend for her journey. And they're also just gorgeous. So that and the sexy Rasputin are like my favorite ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I really want to see that one. <laughs> that, that, that It's a full bleed on one side of like Ooh. him just like sitting in this like stone throne looking like a fucking baller and like, but everything's so gothic and moody in his room because his like, his like headboard on his bed looks like angel wings and stone. And it's like, his, it's his wife's headstone and he takes it with him everywhere he goes. And Lena just did it with oh this God. like, Oh, it's so gothic the way she drew it. I just die for it. <laughs> um, speaking of, so we've you've mentioned a couple of the characters here, and obviously, if people you know have heard of Anastasia, they will recognize some of those names. And I know that lately, going around, there has been a trend of not even a trend, but you know, just people are renaming the genre subgenre of retelling fairy tales and like classically known stories they are now using the term reimagining which i think yes. suits it a little bit better because when you hear retelling like i know there's been a lot of people who've read a quote-unquote retelling of a beauty and the beast and then been kind of disappointed when it's not really a retelling like they use yes, a couple yes. a couple of the names they use a couple of the plot points and like that's it so can you kind of explain how anastasia is not a retelling how it is kind of yes. a and how it's not related to the movie which we um, spoke about earlier. yes i love the evolution of language because you are right retelling was not ever accurate for most iterations of these classic stories the whole point when you write a romance novel is to take the things that everyone loves but to create your own new unique spin on it and since there's been ten thousand romance novels created the ability to come up with something new within that genre is the whole point. So I think reimagining is true of most things that people do. For Anastasia, uh, I used a lot of real history, but it is of course not all historical because it's set in a fantasy world. So this world is like an alternate universe to ours where it's like most of the things are the same, but not everything is the same. And I would also say reimagining because I did not use any of the uh, IP from the film because I don't own the rights to like the, the Dimitri storyline or even the Amnesia storyline I didn't feel comfortable doing because I didn't come up with that. So I tried to come up with my own twists on the story. Anything that's in the plot points, I would hope is original. Mm -hmm. Well, so uh, can you tell us how long it took you to research the story of the Romanovs and kind of yes. shape it so, into your own tale? I originally thought I was gonna release this book in July and then I was like two months into the research and I was like, holy shit, this is so much more work than I ever could have imagined. I will never be done for July. I was barely done for December. I thought I was like doing such a far away forever deadline. Like I was like, oh, so much time. And then I was like, holy shit, because Accuracy matters to me, and even though 99% of the research doesn't make it into the book, you can't write anything if you don't understand what you're talking about. So it's like you can't write any of the servants or any of the court titles or right. any of the languages that anyone speaks or how anyone is related to anyone else if you don't know the entirety of it and then pick and choose your like little tidbits that you're actually going to use. 
Yeah, that's so. definitely my issue. I'm always like, I want to sit down and write a book. And I'm like, but I want to do no research. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'm like, I want to write a book about this character who has this job that I have never done before in my life. And I'm going to somehow try and get it right. And I'm like, I quit like after like 15 sentences because I'm like, no, this it's not possible. Even the most mundane story. Like, I can't write a story about being a waitress if I've never been a wait. Like, I don't know what being a waitress is like. It is true, and I always do this to myself because for my own mental stimulation, I like to write a different job every single time for the character something new. And you do, you do have to really research someone's career and like, and how someone really stands out in that field and like what it's actually like. And I don't know, I make 10 times more work for myself than I need to, but that's what keeps my brain happy while I'm working. So I don't know. <laughs> that's true. I guess if you like, you know, if you're, if you're writing about a subject such as Anastasia that you is really quite fascinating. You know, it, it's yes. not just the mundane of like, yeah, like getting the court titles right, but it's also just the story of of a incredibly interesting, violent family in time. So I think well, that I would I would find that very I, maybe it wouldn't be such a hardship to read about the Romanovs in that capacity. <laughs> historical events and real things that happened can give you a very deep insight into people's emotional state and their mental processes. Like the things that are sort of dry history on the page can become a very emotional part of a story. It, it all just like, it all just puts you in, in their heads. And like, when you really try and imagine being in their mindset and their ideology and raised with all the pressures and all the things they were taught, no internet, barely any, books to speak of like it's just it's a it's a it was a whole different world (laughs) I can definitely well I can't really imagine because I I haven't read anything on the Romanovs besides the little bit I looked up about when that uh Anastasia like impersonator uh came into the news was that was like not that long ago I don't think um and I was like then I researched it a little bit because I was like I wanted to know like yeah and I was like wait like no there's (laughs) she's not real (laughs) No, it's we everybody just wanted to believe it. That's I, I thought about this a lot while I was working on the book. I was like, why are we so fixated on Anastasia? Like, what does she represent? Why are we so interested in her? And I, I don't know, I decided to, that it was just our, our vision of what could have been, you know, like, like what we imagined she could have been, what she could have done, how things could have been different if you had what we imagined her to be. Obviously, she, she didn't really live long enough to know what she would have been like, but yeah. We we project what we wish she could have been. Yeah. And I think I think that's definitely right. And who doesn't love a good potential mystery? You know, like yes. it's way more exciting to think that she may have survived than to think and yes. also she was a child basically. Yeah. So to to think that yeah. a child died a gruesome death is not necessarily something that we as a society want to wrap our minds around. No, it was it was very cruel and awful what happened to them. And they were kids. Like, blame the parents for whatever you want to blame the parents for. But the kids were just kids. And yeah. it was, uh, I, as I, as I really felt the full weight of what had happened, the things that their family had done, the things that were done to them, just the awfulness on all sides, I just tried to, to treat the characters with respect within the story. Mm-hmm. Like, I tried to be true to who they were from everything we know about them. And I just tried to show them as, nuanced humans you know yeah I think and I'm sure you succeeded from what I know and have read of your writing before um can you obviously like I said people know the original story of Anastasia can you give us the little like elevator pitch of the plot of your book so like how you did yes yes so uh without spoiling too much 
Yes, basically, the, the fantasy world, this alternate version of our world, most things are the same, but the main difference is that magic exists in their world. And most people have some level of magical ability. And the people who tend to have a stronger magical ability tend to rise to power. And some of the people in a worse circumstance have like very minor powers, sometimes things that aren't even helpful. So there's definitely like wide variation. And I kind of, magic system is like the magic is a living organism. So when you consume it or when you use it, it has an effect on you and you have an effect on it. And like anything that we, like anything that we take into ourselves or that, or that, that has a strong effect, it can be very positive or very negative. So in the story, Anastasia, her family gets this, sorry, I'm like the worst at summarizing plots. <laughs> it takes me like all day You're like, to write Do we book. have an hour to, to give you the full plot? Because like, there's a lot going on here that I want you to know. Let me just, let me just think of the simplest. So Damien is a Cossack soldier. He tries to kill the Tsar. So he's taken from his family and he's raised as a ward of the Romanovs, like as a political hostage, essentially. He's completely ideologically opposed to them. He hates them. But him and Anastasia are very drawn to each other because even though everything about the way they've been raised and what they've been taught is different, their fundamental values are the same. Meanwhile, Rasputin is worming his way into the Romanovs' lives for nefarious purposes, but he is the only person that has the same magical abilities as Anastasia. So she forms this sort of mentorship relationship with him because he's the only person who can teach her how to use her magic, but he is also fucking with her and manipulating her. And so the story goes on from there. Wow. Okay. No, that is great. I am very intrigued. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have questions. Um, I am curious, obviously, this is the Romantically Inclined podcast, so I would have to ask, um, what are we talking about in terms of spice level here? So that was one of that was one of the many things I struggled with because I wanted my whole point with this book is like give Anastasia the life she didn't get to have. And to me, that includes having sex, falling in love, all the things that we all want to do with our lives for the most part. And it's like, but I also didn't want to be like crude with someone that was a real human. So I was trying to find the right balance of there is spice in the book, but it is intimate, romantic soulmate spice as opposed to like a lot of kink but it's still sexy and sensual and all of those things no yeah i like that i didn't think about yeah you would definitely want to find a balance there like you wouldn't want to you know not that kink and by any means is disrespect like obviously but you know if, it, if it's a real person you don't want to insinuate that such a person like just she was into things that like you know she was she was a child when she passed so i i totally understand that um, I, and I, I like your very, description of it. Well, look, some people will think I'm a shithead for even writing about a real person. I disagree. It's, it's, there is no right or wrong answer. It's just what I felt the most right. I, I tried to portray Anastasia. If I was in her situation and someone was going to write me this adventure story for the life I never lived, I just tried to be like, how would I want to be shown? Like with strengths and weaknesses and nuance, but like, just with respect. I was trying to be respectful to every person that was a real person in the story or just the people of Russia or just anyone that lived through any of that shit. It was brutal and horrible. Yeah. Well, I think after eight months ish of research and pouring your heart and soul into it, that I'm sure that you nailed it. 
I God, I hope so. I it's definitely it's it's my favorite thing I've ever written. I have a huge level of emotional attachment to the story. I bawled my eyes out like 20 times while I was writing it. I I wrote like a lot of personal things into the story. It's it's definitely my most emotionally connected work to date. So but also it's all <laughs> All right. So now that we've kind of broken down Anastasia for everybody who's listening, I think there are a lot of listeners who, if they've been fans of you for the last three years, as I have, because I guess I came in kind of, I mean, Underworld was my first series. So how many books did you write before Underworld? So Underworld that was, 2020. Was, my, was my first series. Yes. So I had okay. eight books in it. It was my first. Then I did Brutal wow. Birthright, which is six books, and then Kingmakers, which is four. Holy crap. I also had a couple standalones in there. Then I did the Sinner's Duet, which is two more. And I went back to Kingmakers for the Savage and then Anastasia. So I think Holy I had like 24 total or some crazy number. <laughs> you were like pumping books out. And the fact that you did so much research with Anastasia and still had time to then in the last three years write all those books and this massive like undertaking book. <laughs> And Anastasia took a lot longer. I at, There was a point where I was writing, like my, my very first books were very short. They were like 50,000 mm. words. So I That's what I love about them. I'm always like, yeah. not that I don't love long books, but I think I binged all eight of them in like a weekend. And I they're, was like- They're just really boom. fast and fun. Like that, and that was the point of them. And I was just building my audience and I was rapid releasing. Yeah. And then I started taking about two, three months per book and making them a little bit wow. longer at Kingmakers. And then Anastasia, I spent- eight months of every single day, seven days a week, researching and writing. Holy it's shit. very intense. So this one is uh, the best. It's the best thing I've ever written. It's my most wow. personal book. It is a story of of hope in the darkest of times. And it is That must feel like really good. <laughs> it, it, to it have feels it incredible. Out. <laughs> it feels incredible. And every time someone sends me a review just falling, it like feeds my soul because wow. I put everything into this book. So I just... I'm really glad that um, it's connecting the way I wanted it to. Because you know, yeah. until you put it out, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I don't know if I, like the first book you put out, it's kind of like sometimes people have spent years and years and years, like ref, like just getting it perfect to in, to their standards to release. And then I've, re I've heard that like after, now you're, people want books a little bit faster and you know, they, they don't want to wait three years for you to perfect your book before you release it. I mean, they will, if they really love you, but they, you know, they people want to read a little bit quicker. I know there are people who are totally patient waiting like a year, a year and a half between book releases and things like that, but it must be, I know it's, it's different after the first book, right? You're like, yes, you know, people well, want your stuff now. <laughs> Yes, and tenure's, tenure is the absolute god in the romance world. Like, you just have to build your audience over time. People have mm -hmm. to learn how to love your writing and what and, and what you're all about. And they just, they need to connect with you over many books and many characters. And that's how you become Colleen Hoover. Like, she's been around over a decade. She's an OG. Yeah. And, and she, when I started three years ago, Verity had 20,000 reviews. And now it has 200,000. Like, there is... There is a real wave that builds if you just stick with it. But unfortunately, the romance industry will burn you up like a paper moth and spit you out if you, it's, it's very, very exhausting and, and it can be heartbreaking and you get punched in the face a lot. So it is hard to stick with it over a long time. I respect the authors that have been doing this a long time. 
Yeah, as a content creator who just pumps out, like, reels and memes, even I, like, I'll post memes one day and I'll be like, oh, they didn't do so well. It took me, like, three minutes to make them. I can't imagine having that feeling when it's something that you've poured your heart, your actual heart and soul into, and it doesn't get the reception necessarily that you wanted or that you you thought it deserved. I mean, you're always going to think that your books, like, deserve, like, more than sometimes they they get because they're your baby and that's how you like that's how you feel about them but well and if you're an author who writes things that are very personal to you and then people attack it and rip it apart it's very painful especially depending what platform you're on like there's a lot of trolls on goodreads and they're they they form groups for the purpose of being cruel and attacking people like it's it's why they exist is to be hurtful so uh i prefer to spend my time on platforms where people are there to love romance and discuss romance not to give a shit on your face yep yeah i don't think i want to spend any time where someone's gonna shit on my face either um, no that does not sound good um but i so it you mentioned how many hours a day you and how long you spent on this so i'm assuming at some point in your career maybe from the beginning though um that uh, writing became your full-time job was it yes. always that way or did you were you working at the when you published your first books Yes, I was working part-time when I started writing, and I had young kids. I've got three kids, and I saw I was pregnant with my third when I was writing my first romance novel, and uh, so I had a newborn, like, as I was starting, and it was a lot, but it was, my husband hated his job, and um, he had worked in finance for a long time. The company he was working for was going under, and he, I just, I wanted to set him free of his job, and so I started writing uh, with that goal in mind. And then I just developed this just intense passion for writing romance because I I had always read every genre. I was not specifically just a romance reader. I just, I just loved to read everything. And writing, I had always written just like fiction in general. But when I deliberately started writing romance, I realized that like the relationships have always been my favorite thing to write about. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I never realized that this was like always the shoe that was meant to fit my foot (laughs) well it's got to feel good to have yeah found that passion and something that just makes you that you enjoy going to work every day even though I'm sure you just work from your home somewhere but uh, going to work every day (laughs) I'm I'm already excited to start the next book I finished Anastasia like eight days ago or like finished the manuscript Mm -hmm. I finished the writing like a, a few weeks ago but like I'm just already jonesing to start the next one. <laughs> do you take a mandatory break between books or do you, are you just going to jump right into it? Well, right now I've had to take a break because formatting the Anastasia manuscript with all that art was a gargantuan task that Ryan and I were like, whoa, this was so much more time consuming than we realized. But because we wanted to make it so beautiful. So we, we wanted to, to, to format everything about it. Like mm-hmm. even the little like, Every single thing on the page we agonized over and tried to make as beautiful as possible. But so I had to do that. And then the next thing I have to do is outline the next series. So that will probably take me about somewhere between three weeks to a month to like completely outline, come up with all the characters. all the. So you're one of those authors. You are. I am am now. I used to be a pantser. I used to be a absolute (laughs) pantser. I would start chapter one, like, who are these people? Who cares? Like, (laughs) I'll figure it out as I go. But as the stories become more complex, I had to outline more. You can't pants when you're doing something that is, has a hundred characters and and a very, uh, Mm -hmm. a very in-depth plot. 
Yeah. How, uh, how involved is your husband in your writing? Is he with you every step of the way is like editing or not editing, but like reading your chapters as they're being written. Does he get the finals? He has become very involved. When we started, I used to hand him a finished manuscript and be like, Hey, help me make a cover and like, help me market it. And he, but he started, I started coming to him when I would get stuck and be like, okay, I, I want my characters to do this and that, but I need this to happen first. And then he started giving me these like really clever plot devices and these like really clever like twists and action sequences. And I was like, oh, you're really good at this, weirdly, since you don't even barely read fiction. You mostly <laughs> just like read nonfiction. So I was like, oh, okay. And then, uh, so he he is in finance and sales and he has a very strong understanding of, just human psychology. He knows the art of persuasion and he himself is a very kind of uh, dominant and charming personality. So when I'm writing these alpha male characters and I'm trying to come up with dialogue or I'm trying to be like, I have two men who are both powerful and intelligent and dangerous and they loathe each other. What would they say to each other in this situation? And he's so good at coming up with like the most like brutal cutting things where I'm like, whoa, okay. (laughs) So he's, he really adds a lot to the story. So whenever I, I want, I, I, I tend to read in the chapters at night when I'm done and then he'll just kind of pipe in with like some great ideas and I'm like, oh, damn it. That's better than what I was going to do there. Okay. And then I just. <laughs> I love that. I know there are some uh, husband wife duos who like actually co-write the books together. Do you think that he'll ever yes. get to a point where like he has an idea that he wants to like help you put on paper? Well, I, I think I love, Ryan and I love working together and we always love being more and more involved. I don't know that he would necessarily come up with the original concepts because that part of it is the thing that is the thing. Like mm-hmm. the original dream and vision in your mind is, is, is like the part that's your baby. And I don't know, I'm, maybe he could, maybe he would or maybe he could, but so far, it's been me that comes. He's got like a fantasy story. deep down that he's like, well, he's like listening to the other room. He's like, well, I don't know. Like, we'll have to see like over time. Um, so I, how long did it take? And you don't have to answer if you do not want. Um, but how long did it take before you were able to kind of make a full-time income out of this? Because I think there's a lot of aspiring authors who are kind of, you know, they've written maybe 10 books and they're they're struggling to, I know there's like, I have talked to many authors who are still struggling to make like actual income off of like yes. after all the everything's said and done, you know, buying the covers and paying the editors yes. and doing this. And so yes. I'm curious or, how long it kind of took to, uh, I know this is a very personal thing that is not necessarily translatable it, to all authors out there, but it is the people. ad spend. It is the ad spend. These authors who are starting cannot comprehend how much money the authors at the top spend on ads every month. Some authors are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on ads, a month. Wow. So you have to understand that how much you want to make out of it is a personal thing. How much you need to live off of is a personal thing. And how long it takes you to grow there depends on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So it used to be that we would say, uh, what, what, was the, what was the phrase people would use? People used to say there was a phrase like 30 books to 50K. 
So it was like, by the time you've put out 30 romance novels, you should be making minimum 50K a year in profit. So that was kind of the idea. But the, the thing about this business is that what was true last year was not true this year. So all the time, people will try and get advice from authors that started in 2010, 2012, 2014, 2016. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is not the same business as it was back then. So whatever they tell you is maybe true, but maybe not. So a lot of it That's is a good just, point. It's just trial and error and it changes constantly. What worked for me on TikTok a year ago no longer works. So you mm-hmm. constantly have to evolve and you constantly have to... Uh, if you don't have a ton of money for ad spend, you're going to have to make it up on social media. And if you want to be a romance author and self-publish, you are almost absolutely going to have to spend a lot of time on social media, which is really hard for a lot of people. It was, it was yeah. hard for me. I didn't even have a public account when I started. I never had a public social media. So wow. it's it's incredibly competitive. It gets more and more saturated every day. However, it is also incredibly free to be your own boss and write for a living. So I would never try and dissuade anyone. I would just say you will probably have to write several books minimum before you're making money. And uh, my personal journey was that I took every penny that I had saved for 10 years of marriage and I invested it in my business and I made $0 for two years. In fact, I lost probably several hundred thousand dollars building my business and then it became profitable, but not everybody can do that. That was... Ryan and I had worked and saved for years and we treat this as a business. Like we have invested in it from the beginning. We didn't expect it to be cash flow positive at the beginning. If you're gonna bootstrap and you're gonna just try and roll your earnings into ad dollars, uh, you can also do that, but that's hard when you have to live on your money at the same time. So it yeah. is, uh, it's, it's very competitive and hard, but it can be done. And it's, uh, I would just say, keep your day job until you're making enough money <laughs> to quit. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard from some authors who are are currently making enough. Like I, I know a few who are making as much as they make at their day job. And they're yeah. still like, well, I'm not going to quit my day job yet because it's like, you know, there's a lot of costs, you know, and you have to pay for your own insurance out of pocket if you're going to be your own boss. You're going to yes, yes. you're going to have to pay for, you know, all these things that you might not have expected on top of and so that just drains whatever you're making. So like it's like put that they're like, well, I'm just going to put that away into my little nest egg and keep writing and keep writing but that's an interesting uh little tidbit the 30 books to 50k i know well, like, what, you said that doesn't that's what people used to say i mean maybe it's yeah. maybe it's true today i can, i can't speak to what works starting today because i started mm-hmm. three years ago and it, it changes constantly and just and the other thing about this business that happened to me this week is these platforms will punch you in the face and they do not care you could spend a million dollars a month on Facebook and they won't even pick up the phone. They'll just cancel your account if they feel like it. Like, and same thing with your Instagram account. Like Gianna Darling just lost her Instagram account like out of nowhere. And it's like, she spent years building it. She had tens of thousands of followers and Instagram's just like, I don't care. Like, and yeah. same with Amazon. Like Amazon doesn't care what they did to me this week. Like you are, you are up against forces that will just, but you just have to persevere. Like yeah. it's, it's sticking around that creates success. It's it's trying and trying and trying and failing and trying and trying and getting hit in the face and trying more and losing all your money and trying more and then eventually like success over time. Yeah, oh, that's so me. true about the social media accounts <laughs> though. Like I know an author who had their book stolen and published to uh, Apple and like oh, Apple that books happens every like week. that. 
and but they were exclusive to Amazon. So Amazon decided found out before they found out. I think they found out from Amazon closing their yeah. like shit down. And they oh, yeah. were like, wait a sec, like I did not upload. And so they got it back on Amazon, but they're still waiting to hear from Apple. It's still up on Apple. Well, so they have to like, they have 30 the, days. It happens every single week. If you're a big author, every week you have to go to Apple and take down all your books that have been stolen. And the oh, fun part God. is my book, Brutal Prince was number one in the Apple store. And I was like, hey, take it down. Guess what? They don't give you any of that money. Apple just keeps all of that fraudulent money that was stolen from you. They don't pay you for all your books that they sold. It is ludicrous. Do they at least take it back from the person who stole your book? Like, I'd be like, I, fine, you fucking keep it, Apple. But, like, that person better not have profited whatsoever on, like, stealing it in the first place. I would assume they withhold so it from whoever pirated it. But they Ugh. still stole it from me. Like, my book still got yeah. stolen. And, like, wherever that money went, whether Apple kept it, whether they refunded it, it's like. That's ridiculous. My, I didn't get my book back. Like, I didn't get. All those people read your book spent money thinking it was going to you because these aren't people who are pirating the book on a pirate no. site these are people who thought that they were buying a book supporting you and why why does apple not allow me to be like hey don't upload brutal prints by sophie lark you don't have the right to sell it like why can't yeah, i just like, one time tell them that and they'll stop doing it no i have to go there every week and waste my time taking all my books down every single week oh my god so and that's time that could be spent writing doing and anything literally anything it's very oh, I'm so and then, mad. <laughs> and there's, there's like Z Library, there's all these pirating places, and it's like, all my books are on KU. Just go to KU and you can read them all for free. Like, please. Yeah. You can spend $10 <laughs> and read, and I like read every single one of them, and I would make, like, I probably, like, if they were to read every single one of your books on KU, I know it's such a small percentage that you get, or like per page. But I bet it'd be like, you know, I'd, be, I'd make 10 bucks off you reading every single one of my books on KU, but it's still better. It, it's actually about two to three dollars a book. It's not bad. It's not. Oh, K, okay, that's really K, not bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. The K and for Anastasia, it's actually like I probably will make more off of the KU reads than the paper than the paperback because it's a pretty long book, and the printing cost was <laughs> a lot. Exorbitant. Oh my god, I feel like KU must lose so much money on me though. Like I pay ten dollars a month, and I probably read twenty to twenty five books on KU a month. And so doing the math, I'm just like, there's no way that they are profiting on me, like having I would, KU. <laughs> I would be so curious to see their super reader data versus like their average reader data. I would love to see all that information behind the scenes. I'd yeah. be so interested. I did learn that like, so, cause I was curious because KU, obviously for those, who, maybe people don't know, cause on the Facebook group I was in, it turned out a lot of people did not know how KU worked. Um, but I am an incredibly quick reader. And I was worried. I'm like, you know, I do not spend the average amount of time on a page that other people spend. I, I read very, very fast. And I was worried that like I was reading too fast for people to be getting money from KU because if you're scrolling through it, it doesn't like count that as a page read. But oh, I learned nice. that KU learns your personal average reading speed. And oh. then they will like they they take that into account when they're like crediting, you know, page pages read on KU oh, and that's that, at least that's what I heard of course I could be spreading misinformation like an idiot but that is what an author met, said in this book that that is how they track that well that is very fascinating and uh I KU and Amazon in general is is a mysterious world of its own so there's always new things to be learned <laughs> seriously I know I know some authors who gen who genuinely don't even quite know how the page read like how 
how much they'll make off like a book or how returns like it's just they make it very very complicated which is yeah, how they well, like it <laughs> yeah they're obscure on purpose yeah, yeah they, they, like, they, they deliberately don't tell you anything yeah i even read like <laughs> i read a whole page breaking down like every like thing about ku and i still walked away like not quite understanding how it worked and i'm like how would an all like if you're trying, I don't understand. It's amazing that authors are able to p- publish their own books at all because I don't know how they do it. I'm like, literally the logistics. I'm like, where do you even go to like make a book on Word? It's, how do I get it from Word into like a book? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it actually is complicated. And I'm lucky that I have Ryan working with me full time because I just like waltzed in his office like, hey, can you teach me Photoshop real quick? Like I thought it was going to, I thought everything was going to be so much easier than it was. But Photoshop is awful. I, my friend used to use it and I was like, I don't fucking understand how any of this works. Like you, I mean, the people who are graphic designers and stuff are just so talented because I'm like, no wonder it covers costs, what they cost most of the time. Cause I'm yes. like, that. It's it makes total sense when you see the work that goes into making them. I'm like, I do not understand how you well, learn this. Book covers are such an art and standing out amongst other book covers and and hitting your market right with your cover, like telling people, finding the right people by broadcasting the right thing on it and telling them what the story is really going to be. So expectations are correct, but like not just looking like every other cover that's exactly like your cover. Like it's so complicated. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, I do want to ask a couple. uh, So I was scrolling through your Instagram feed, just like in case there were any talking points I wanted to bring up. And obviously there was, there was one I wanted to bring up. Um, How many responses did you get to that video in which Ryan is, uh, catches you by the arm when you're wearing heels and an apron and then slams you up against the wall with a hand on your throat. And cause I literally watched it and my, and I've seen it dozens of times. Like it's come across my feed and like everything. And like, every time I see it, my stomach does like a bloop, like just flips. And I'm like, huh. Like, and so I'm wondering, I'm like, I wonder how many people were just like, yeah, okay, I'll Ryan, read her books. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Raya is the hottest thing in the universe. And all of my male characters take something from him because he, he is so sexy. And he, like, that video literally got me banned from TikTok. It's the only thing that's ever got my account. <laughs> I had posted it on TikTok, but then like six months later at uh, Valentine's, I went to post it again and they had like tightened up their restrictions and they were like instant ban. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so that's the one time my Boston account, thank God it got restated because all my wonderful people on TikTok went to bat for me and sent emails and helped. It wasn't even, back. I mean, you're fully clothed. Like you guys oh, are like. Yeah. Their TikTok is so And it's hot, simple. but it, there's no, I have seen way dirtier things on TikTok than that. I mean, this was like hot in like, a, I mean, you know, the, the lighting chain. I mean, it was just like, woo, like that was some spicy stuff there. Like, oh, I might go watch it. If anyone is listening to this on the day that this releases, I will put this in my stories. So if you were listening to this on Tuesday, um, you can head to my <laughs> you stories. Otherwise you can go to Sophie Lark's uh, Instagram page, scroll through some of her reels because there's a lot of other hot ones as well. There's a lot well, of stuff. Th- this is how Ryan and I unwind when we've been working all day. Our like our like way to unwind is to make like funny TikToks or funny videos at the end, and it's just a blast. But it's it's such a it's such a uh, a non consensual marriage with TikTok because they do not want anything sexy on there, and BookTok is like, yeah, but what about everything sexy? Yeah, I'm like, god damn it! Like BookTok runs this place. Like, let us have our fully clothed, sexy wall banging scenes. Jesus. <laughs> Why are you trying to take this from us? Like you, Tumblr already took away all of our porn. I just, I love 
book talk because it is so many brilliant and the same with bookstagram same with all of these platforms where 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 readers get together it is just all of these brilliant and hilarious and passionate mostly women and some men and just like just showing the best of their of their humor and their interests and i just love it i've met like all my favorite people through this yeah, I totally agree. I, I tell people all the time that before I got on Instagram, I had like one real friend who read romance who was like my age. And I met yes. her working in a bookstore and I was 25 when I met her. So I'd been reading yes. romance for 12 years at that point and did not have a single um, like friend who read true romance. I had friends who read like some YA here and there, but my like true friend, I didn't meet till I was like 25. Well, and these are these are these are the things that matter the most to us. These are our values and our interests. So it's the same thing with my Facebook group, Love Larks. Like the women in that group are the most kind and supportive and intelligent and hilarious women I've ever met. And it's like it's this huge group of them and they live all over the world. And I'm like, I never would have met these people that live in Bulgaria or Australia if if not for this thing that has like brought us all together. So I, I'm so grateful for the the day and age we live in. Yeah. Uh, people, I, in all of my podcasts, I always say people shit on social media, but it has done wonderful things for the romance genre and the people who read romance because we all not, I mean, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I, everyone I have spoken to has felt isolated as a romance reader at some point yes. with being in such a stigmatized genre that is so stereotyped and looked down on. And so coming on social media and befriending all these people who like see what makes it such an amazing genre and just want to talk about it all the time. I'm like, if I could only talk about one subject for the rest of my life, it would absolutely be romance novels. And I would never run out of things to say. <laughs> just be like, well, cause there's always something new in books. Like books yep. are the whole universe in pages. So there's just, it's, I could, I would talk about it forever too. <laughs> I'm curious. What is your favorite trope combo? Like if you, it doesn't oh. have to be something you've written even, but like what, if you had to combine just the most perfect combination of tropes uh, ever that just completely do it for you. What What is that combination? So I am a huge sucker for enemies to lovers. I just, oh, I can tell. Ever since, <laughs> oh, I just, ever since, like, Pride and Prejudice, I, the OG, I have just love, 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 love. The, it's, it's the tension, and uh, that's the same reason why I love Slow Burn or Forbidden Romance. I just love this thing where, like, you're not supposed to have it, you're not allowed to have it, but your passion in the face of any obstacle is just overwhelming. So Anastasia is, like, it spans like many years. It is a slow burn and it and the whole time Anastasia and Damien, they have every obstacle in their way, like everything imaginable tries to keep them apart, but they are true soulmates and like nothing will keep them from each other. And that's my favorite kind of love is that kind where it's like you'll risk anything for it, you will do anything for it. It is all consuming. That's what that's the kind of love I love to write about. That's fair. So what uh if you had to recommend some books to the listeners that kind of fit that are there any other books that you've read i mean yes. they don't have to fit that exact like combination you yes. just created but well i can tell you my biggest inspiration for anastasia besides obviously direct anastasia things was the winter night trilogy that was my absolute favorite thing that i've read in the last year or two uh and it is also set in russia it is but it's set in the i think the 1600s instead of the 1900s and it's also fantasy and it is this beautiful slow burn with incredible historical detail and <laughs> like it takes like all three bucks for anything to happen perfect. And, in the third, in the, and then in the third book when he like finally calls her beloved I was like 
oh, like <laughs> it was so satisfying just like to hear a term of endearment. I was just like dying for it. At that point, they've like just really kept you in a chokehold of like all affection. Only to just give you like a beloved at the like tenth hour, and you're like, oh god, like it's better than any sex scene. You're like, yes, like yes, and and it did have some a little bit of spice finally at the end. I don't want to, I don't want to act like that was all that happened, but yeah, I that's one of my all time favorite series. One of the other best things I read this year was um, that the one we were talking about earlier, the George R. R. Martin uh, one that oh, yeah. they built House of a Dragon off of. That book is like, if you only want to read one George R. R. Martin book instead of a bunch, like you can totally start with that one. And it's so good. I kept asking my husband while we were watching like questions. And then I'd be like, he'd be like, okay, but you don't understand. Like, I don't have the answer to that because the book was not like, this is not the book. The book was yes. like a history of all these characters and like written from someone else's point of view. And now we're seeing it from the kid. So he's like, I don't know what that character was feeling. Cause I don't, yes. that's not how the book was written. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, just tell me what's going. Yeah. I, why is she acting this? I like, uh, he hates watching television with me. I'm an absolute nightmare. <laughs> like, I'm yes. like, I always tell people like, don't shit on romance novels for like being unrealistic. And then we were literally watching, like a, we were watching Hercules the other, like this morning, the other day. And I was like, I don't understand. Like these people believe in gods. They believe in Zeus. They believe in these gods. And now they meet a teenager who can like, who bumps into a pillar and knocks down an entire freaking market. And no one's like, I wonder if he's the son of a god. And my husband was like, why are you doing this? Like, this is a children's movie. Can you shut up, please? And I was like, I'm so sorry. So I'm like, I've become the thing I hate. Like, We, we all become our mom eventually. Who's this person? You're like, I, I, we've been watching the same thing the whole time. Yep, that's, I'm, that's me too. I'm always like, I don't understand. He's like, I am also seeing this for the very first time. I don't know why you think I have the answers. And that is why I Google all my shows before I even sit down. And then the Do whole time I'm like it? giggling. Oh, uh, not I spoil it to myself, but I don't spoil it. I try not to spoil it to him. But, but sometimes he's so spoilers. smug. And I'm like, I, I need to know. So, but sometimes he'll be like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And I'm like, do you? Because I actually know what's going to happen. And you're wrong. Like, Live, live reactions where people tell me their guesses of what they think they're going to happen midway through are my favorite. I love hearing people's crazy guesses. <laughs> I'm usually like, I, I'm weirdly right about a lot of things. My best friend and I used to watch a lot of shows and I'd be like, I bet we'd be like two episodes into a 10 episode miniseries. And I'd be like, I bet he's the killer. And she'd have already seen it because she's one of those people who likes watching other people watch something for the first time. And I'd be like, I bet he's the killer. And she'd be like, God damn it. Like, how do you even know? Like, how did you, did you look it up? I'm like, no, I just, I just have a sixth sense about murderers. Like read enough, wrote like dark romance. And you can just like, you sense when someone is evil. Well, and, and if there is foreshadowing of any kind and you are prone to look for foreshadowing, you're going to catch a lot more things too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I wish I'd been, I wish I'd paid more attention. Uh, I also put multitask a lot when I'm watching television. So I don't oh, always like. Yes. I'm, that's why I like watching things multiple times, like Great British Baking. I have never paid attention to a full episode. So every time I watch it again, I'm like, well, that's a new like thing I did not see the last time. Uh, what are you What are you currently watching? Do you watch a lot oh of television? Do you spend most of your time writing? This, this, this project of Anastasia, even though I spent eight to nine months on it, 
was so much more work than I anticipated. So I barely finished on time, like, because I wanted it to be everything I wanted it to be. I didn't want to rush anything I wanted to. So I was working until 2 a.m. the last like two months every single day, just like so tired and so, but, but like so invested in the story and so immersed in it. So it was wonderful, but like I, Ryan and I would put on like one, we would put on like six minutes of the animated Batman show and just fall asleep. Like that was like our comfort watch at the end of the night was we would put on like the show we both loved as a kid and then we would just call. I like so, that. I like, I mean, we all need, my husband would love to just fall asleep watching television every single night, but I, I need darkness and silence. Well, now I sleep with a sound oh. machine, but so he, like, he's always on this phone right before bed. I'm like, you know, if you change your body not to rely on television to fall asleep, like we could just be falling asleep at the same time, but he is not about, like, he's like, I need to like have blue light directly injected into my eyeballs before I can fall asleep. Yes. Well, and the older you get, I feel like that gets worse and worse. Like what you need to fall asleep. Like when I was young and a waitress, I would literally go to the bookshop by the restaurant and like sleep in a chair between my split shifts and like the thought of doing that now I'm like ha, I can't even sleep in like a perfect bed in a hotel like <laughs> you're like my back could not take that like I'd wake up with like a kink in my neck and like oh I wouldn't be able to look left for like six days it's like no I cannot do that anymore um all right well we can wrap up with a, a, a just a couple other questions um I have to ask because it's kind of what I'm known for if yes. you were and this is not a commitment to doing this obviously if you were to ever write a romance that featured monsters what oh. monster would you like to write about and again if there's any sophie like fans she's not committing to this this is yes. just a, is there a monster a, like a backstory for a monster or just a hot monster that you've kind of like always been curious about their story well the next thing that i'm writing is a vampire trilogy so if you consider vampires monsters i do then that is my number one. They're the hottest monster and ever have been. <laughs> but if I was going to do more of like a monster monster, I would either do like, I would do like a Beauty and the Beast that was like super kinky with like a literal beast or I guess a werewolf thing. I'm not, I guess I'm not that outside the box, I guess. I kind of like, like the classic. A lot of fur, <laughs> fine. <laughs> but no, I mean, who doesn't, I mean, want to write just a Beauty and the Beast reimagining like I feel yeah. like it's just the core of every romance author out there is just like the scene where she opens the door and a fucking there's just a huge library and that's just uh, what formed all of our love of romance and beasts I think do we is Belle all of our favorite princess like every I mean, reader loves be. Belle the best I so I I wrote Stolen Air is a Beauty and the Beast retelling but it's mafia it's contemporary I would love to do one that is like actual paranormal or fantasy or whatever that would be fun where he doesn't change at the end he doesn't become a weird pasty like white dude he stays a hairy <laughs> ugly beast that is the dream right <laughs> <laughs> don't don't become typical we loved you just the way you were. Yeah, like, no, I, I, there's that meme circulating that's just, like, Belle never knew that he was a prince, like, cursed by, like, a, a witch, basically. Like, she didn't know that he was ever going to turn oh, back into yes. a human. And she loved him anyways. And isn't that the true <laughs> romance? Like, you know, you're just, like, a hideous, ugly beast covered in fur with claws and, like, fucking, like, almost, like, hooves. And she just is like, yeah, okay, I'm down. Like, you gave me a library, bud. Where I'm in it for good. 
I definitely, ha- being having been with Rai, who is like 6'4 and huge, I just, that is now my type. So whatever the monster is, it just has to be a huge, a giant monster. <laughs> that's what I love now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, I mean, that's what everybody, I'm like, anybody who liked Beauty and the Beast, I'm like, guess what? You already like monster romance, fool. Like, just join us, <laughs> join our side. Um, well, and we always joke that that Ninja Turtles was the original reverse harem too. Like, okay. you don't want to choose. You love them all. There apparently think... was a lot of fan fiction about the freaking Ninja Turtles that I missed. I must have missed that fan fiction. I don't. I don't know if I can do turtles, guys. I don't know. If I, I don't run... know if I could do the smell of a sewer. That's my deal breaker. Honestly, I know that. What's the, the rat's name? Is it like Splinter? Splinter, yes. Yeah, people are like, I read a lot of fan fiction like with him specifically. And I'm like, he Whoa, was a rat. Okay. But he was a rat, guys. Like he was a rat. I don't know. I think I think my first I think my first sexy dream I ever had as a kid was of being kidnapped by Shredder. And I'm like, how how did I already have this like these like weird <laughs> loves when I was like six? It's like so it's like, are you raised like are you born kinky or do you become kinky? I don't know. Mystery. That is a good question because my Barbies, I had a blonde Barbie, a brunette Barbie, and a Ken doll. And every single one of my stories, and I was like seven or eight years old, was the blonde Barbie kidnapping the brunette, like beating her up, kidnapping her, locking her away, and then trying to steal Ken. And the and Ken would come in though and like rescue brunette Barbie, which I was obviously brunette as a child. And looking back, I'm like, I had never, you know, I was like eight or nine, like I was young, elementary school had these concepts had never been put into my brain before. I had never like read anything like that, watched anything like that. And yet that is what my mind created. We so want I'm the like, drama. We want the intensity. We just yeah. love it. Like, I'm like, oh, fuck, like, can I, I'm gonna have to like watch if my kids have Barbies and it'd be like watching like very closely like what's the plot here because like your mom was very fucked up as a child for some reason i have a very normal childhood Mm, still didn't help um well i guess that that's my main my main question was the monster thing i just i have to know with every author who comes on here um kind of like what where their limits are for like how creepy they'd fuck a creature so now i know you're pretty tame honestly don't get me wrong. I'll read anything. That's just what I would start with writing. But you know, it always escalates. You start with these nice stories and then they just get more and more in every genre. <laughs> so is there anything you would like to tell to the listeners? Um, any Like where they can find you? Um, yes. What kind of um, books so, you, you write? Again, you've mentioned a couple of them, but I don't know. Your, yes. your tagline so, is what? Uh, the so powerful women and... Intelligent women, powerful men. All of my female characters are intelligent and powerful. All of the men are also intelligent and powerful. They are true equals and true partners. And I write uh, mafia, dark romance, and now fantasy as well. All my books are free on KU, or you can get them uh, now also at Barnes & Noble. Oh, how is that? (laughs) Does that feel really good? Oh, seeing my books on the table. Like, so I just re-released Brutal Birthright with all these new gorgeous art covers. And seeing them, like, take over half a table at Barnes was, like, the most Mm. satisfying moment of this year it was like it's just one of those things when you're when you're young and you walk through a bookstore and you think to yourself maybe someday I'll have one book on the shelf and it's like you have a bunch on this table right here and it was so beautiful and rewarding and I have to thank everybody that went and specifically requested in in the stores because a ton of people did and that really helped me 
Yeah, so if you do go, if anyone's listening and they do go to a Barnes & Noble and it is not there, it is something that you may need to request of the store to stock. Yes. And they do listen. And that is a huge, it has a huge impact on our sales when people request like that. And then more and more stores get them in and it really snowballs. So thank you everybody that did it really helped me. Yeah, I love that they're giving a voice to some more like independent, smaller authors like that. Not that you're like small, but you know, like for so long, bookstores were s- seriously prejudiced against independent yes. authors and they were like if you are not traditionally published you will not get even in, even independent bookstores where i used to work at one and the only way you could get on our shelves as a uh independent author was to do commissions so you would have yes. to like you know you gave us 30 percent, and your book had gone and like that was just the rule of the the bookstore and so now it is amazing that you can find these independent authors in stores like barnes and noble and it, like books a million, yes. I think has also done this a bit. I don't know where those stores are located though, but I know some independent authors are in those as well. And it's just, it's just amazing to to go well, in and, a and lot, see. A lot of the best selling paperbacks of the last couple of years are authors that started as indie authors. Katie Robert, a bunch of them, and it's like, and some of them have now signed on with Room or whatever since then. But like, mm-hmm. they started as indie, and their paperbacks hit as indie. They did it themselves, and I, I'm it's it's the people speaking up. It's the people deciding what they want to see, not the not the gatekeepers of the publishers. And I love that. Yeah, I'm uh, the people finally have a voice. Romance is finally being listened to. We are finally getting not all the respect we deserve, but some of the respect we deserve. People are still surprised, even booksellers, when I tell them we are a billion dollar a year industry. Like yes. they're and they just don't know. Like people in the book world don't know. So I mean, I can't really Even, expect some dude at the bar to understand yet. But I will continue I, to tell them. If I can say one more thing without being yeah. too annoying and going too long, Kate. Even Amazon does not respect romance. Romance makes up almost 50% of all sales on Amazon, 50% of all their book revenue. And when they got rid of all the Kindle author bonuses with no warning to the authors, the reason they did that was because there was too much romance in KU in their opinion, because it was completely dominated by romance authors. They are actively trying to stifle romance on their platform. Mm. This week when they were messing with my rankings, it's because they had 10 thrillers and first reads at the top. So they were suppressing page reads, I believe, so that they could keep what they had chosen at the top. They do not respect romance. And I absolutely think that that needs to change because this is just classic sexism that it's like, Mm. oh, if if men love the genre, then it's respectable. If women love it, then. It's just like, I don't understand. Like, we we are making you so much money like why why are you disrespecting us amazon overlords like what the fuck like i mean i think if people continue to do it they're just gonna sign their own i mean i even believe amazon could be taken down by something at some point and i think that the way that they treat their people there is no one who is immune to falling down off your high horse like there is no one who is immune to future failure and that includes amazon yeah. So I hope someone else comes out with streaming for books because I do think streaming is the future of media. So I hope we get a good alternative to KU. Yeah, I know like Kobo is there, but I, even I don't use um, Kobo, I think is good in countries where they don't necessarily have access to Amazon. I think some countries don't use Amazon, but they have access to Kobo, which is, I think the that's Barnes and Nobles uh, thing, right? Oh God. <laughs> I, like not, I like know nothing about Kobo. Like that is how little information I have. Um, but even that is no match for KU right now. So, yeah, so let's no, cross our fingers that something else comes out. Uh, well, just because monopolies aren't good for anybody, especially yeah. not the consumer. Yeah. Ugh. Well, thank you so thank much you for joining you. us. Um, it Well, us. It's just me. It's just me on the side of this computer. 
um, me and, me, thank you for joining me in my podcast. Um, and yeah, I cannot wait to, I've I read some of Anastasia, but it wasn't enough for me to fully engage in a, a discussion on it yet with you, but I am in love with the Romanov. So I know that I'm going to absolutely enjoy this book. And I, okay. I, I need to go to a Barnes and Noble now and see if the Barnes and Noble near me has it because there's a few books by indie authors I really want to pick up and yours is one of them because well, I, I, I I'm not immune to a beautiful cover. So I don't know if they will get Anastasia in because one of when you are wanting a bookstore to take your book, you have to give them a 53% discount off the cover price. And Anastasia oh, it was so was, expensive. It was so expensive to print. And wow. I really want everyone to be able to buy it. This is the people's princess. I want everyone to be able to get the paperback if they want it. So I really wanted to price it at $19.99, but it costs over $10 wow. to print. So I can't, I couldn't give them a 53% discount. Mm -hmm. I could only give them 40%, which is the minimum. And I don't know if they will take it in the store for that reason. But the well, they better fucking take it. it but anyways, will. they can buy it. Can they buy it um, anywhere other than Amazon then right now? Or is Amazon you can where buy it, it on. You can buy it online at Barnes & Noble. And you can buy it online at Amazon. And I will hopefully have it up on my website uh, Wonderful. early in the new year as well. I always suggest that people, when possible, buy books directly from the authors. Because I think it is just a much better way to support them buying it directly off their their site um and plus sometimes like if you some people don't even check and if you check i've gotten plenty of signed books off of people's sites as well not saying that anastasia would be signed because i guess it all depends on the volume you are selling yeah necessarily a time but that is a, a nice fun little bonus for people who like buying off amazon because it's cheap but autographed on websites sometimes yes. so check those out first um anyways i'm really bad at saying goodbyes because i'm oh, just it was like my oh. fault. It was my fault. no i'm always like here's <laughs> another conversation but anyways thank you to everybody who tuned into this episode um thank you for listening thank you for checking us out um i really implore you to check out sophie lark's uh instagram and tiktok if she remains there and doesn't get banned again <laughs> Um, because the videos are just so like her TikToks are so sexy. They are just a lot of fun and you can tell you're going to love her books just by seeing her personality pop off the page. And I genuinely believe that is, that's what social media is great for. Like you get to know a person and then you read their books and you're like, fuck yeah. Like this is a perfect match made in heaven. Um, so anyways, uh, everybody can just read whatever the fuck you want. We've talked about that a lot today. Don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't read don't let anybody make fun of you for reading what you read because romance is the best genre in the world and they can go fuck themselves thank you thank you so much kate take care <laughs>